Many factors determine how well a cyclist performs. The physical attributes of the rider, physique and physiology, are two of these. Physique and physiology are two completely different things. So your physique is what you look like, it's your body shape, um, mostly described as your somatotype. So that could be something like a mesomorph, so that's usually muscular, but usually described as someone that looked like a sprinter, um, quite big, with big muscles on both upper and lower body. Um, an ectomorph would be someone that's quite tall and slender and thin, um, and an endomorph is someone that's usually a bit rounder in shape and holds a lot of their fat mass around the stomach area. Um, so that's basically what physique is, what you look like on the outside. Your physiology is what's on the inside. Well, physiological tests for cycling they generally take place on a static bike in, in a laboratory. But basically they're just looking at power and how much power you can produce. Um, one of them is a six second max test where you're trying to produce as much power as you can in a short space of time. And the other one is what we call a ramp test and it basically just takes you up um, on the resistance until you basically fall on the handlebars because you can't pedal anymore. So those are the two tests, the, the sprint test and the, the, what we call the max minute test. Um, that basically were given me the baseline figures and then also gave me sort of um, targets really. So during an Olympic time trial or the hour record, your body had changed quite rapidly. As soon as you start, your heart rate would rise right up. Your oxygen uptake would go up as well um, as your body starts to need more energy. Um, you'd need to get more oxygen into your lungs, into your bloodstream, to the muscles to be able to produce muscle contractions um, to actually pedal to go faster. So as soon as that's happened, your heart rate and your oxygen uptake will probably stay very, very high level, almost near maximum for the rest of the duration of the event. A lot of that comes in towards pacing so that the cyclists will have to make sure that they're, they know their limits and they stay within those. If they went too fast off the start, their heart rate and their oxygen uptake will go too high. There'd be a build-up of lactic acid because there wouldn't be enough oxygen available to produce the energy for the muscle contractions. So they'd actually start to produce a lot of waste products within the body and that would slow them down. So they find an optimal rate that they know that they can pedal at as hard as they can for that duration. Heat is actually one of the biggest contributing factors towards you slowing down. As you get too hot, then your body will start to shut itself down to protect its, itself, really, to protect the brain and the heart. So getting rid of that heat energy is one of the most important factors, really. The VO2 max test is used in cycling to determine the physical fitness of an individual by showing their ability to transport and use oxygen during incremental exercise. But are genetics and physique solely responsible for creating an elite cyclist? Or to what extent does training enhance these natural attributes to improve performance? Genetics plays a huge part for any athlete in any sport. You look at Usain Bolt, he was a massively gifted athlete and born with the right genes that will allow him to sprint that speed. You know, fast twitch muscle fibres are far less common in, in a person than slow twitch muscle fibres and then everyone has the fibres in between that can be trained to be more type one fast twitch or more slow twitch fibres but generally those are absolutely pure fast twitch fibres that allow someone to go 9.5 seconds for 100 metres in the track is, is, is very rare to find and you tend to find the majority of people are somewhere in the middle so you then train those middle fibres to be as fast as you can get them or to work as powerfully as you can get them depending on the event that you're doing. In my own case relative body proportions I've got a long body and short legs so when you're like this on a bike this bit's hitting the wind, so this is the bit that's, that's processing oxygen, getting into the muscles, and this is the, the, the pistons, if you like. That's a good shape to be, short legs, long body. You can't change radically your body shape, that's what you are born with. You have got to work with the ingredients with which you're given.
on that ramp test they look at the final minute that you've been pedaling for and look at the average power of that minute and for me it was a score of over 300 watts to start with um, and in the time since I've become a cyclist I've added another 100 watts to that because of the specific nature of the sport and the efficiency of pedaling and things like that. A lot of people think that you're naturally born with that kind of talent um, to be able to make your bike go fast but sometimes that's not the case because if you don't realise that potential through training then you'll never get to that level. But I think if you're prepared to put the work in and you know, you're able to work um, towards the event that you want to do, if you've got sort of a glimmer of talent, then that, that hard work, you really can't replace that. When it comes to physiology affecting performance in cycling, is there considered to be a marked difference between the sexes? There are certain physiological characteristics of each gender that would mean that, say, for example, a man might keep his strength longer than a woman would. Um, so we might need to alter the, the time out of the gym slightly differently um, going into a competition. However, it's very individual to the athlete. I think the main difference is between men and women are ultimately governed by the events that they do and the distances they ride. Uh, men are going to have a slightly greater capacity for training just because they've got bigger muscle mass and naturally lower body fat um, and ultimately are naturally a little bit stronger. But that doesn't mean to say that there aren't ranges within that. So I know men that can you know, do a lot less training than I can do but ultimately ride faster at the end of that. In physiological terms, what is it like to change sports? Both Sarah Storey and Rebecca Romero made successful transitions to cycling at Olympic level. I transferred from rowing, which was an endurance power-based, strength-based sport. So therefore, you know, I was categorised into an endurance cyclist event. For me, I was, number one, having to reduce the length of time that I was competing at. So for rowing, it was an average, say, um, six and a half to eight minute long race, whereas uh, the individual pursuit, 3K pursuit, was looking at a target time of three and a half minutes. So I was essentially halving um, the time that I would have to be racing for. So uh, I'd ha have to had to adapt my physiology slightly, so become more of a anaerobic athlete. The engine inside of me was suitable to kind of tone down and, and hone away from swimming and into a cycling. Um, a cycling form as it were. As a swimmer I had much much bigger shoulders, I've, I've lost 12 centimetres across my shoulders and probably about six kilos of muscle um, in total. Most of that was in my back. Transferring from one sport to the other and being successful like Rebecca Romero um, and Sarah Storey is an exceptional achievement and both Sarah and Rebecca are exceptional athletes and they, they were excellent in both of their sports. I think it is achievable for other athletes as well, um, especially if the two sports, the one that they're switching from and to, are similar in terms of the um, physical attributes that they have to display to be successful. I think to make a top rider or even a top athlete in any sport, I think you need a mixture of a few different things. Mental attitude and the ability to work hard are probably at the very, very top of that. You do need mother nature, you do need a certain level of physiology and natural body composition. If you're naturally carrying weight around your hips or you know around your belly and you want to be an athlete, then potentially you're not going to be able to do that without even more hard work. That's not to say you can't change what mother nature's given you. Hard work is at the centre of most things. An old swimming friend of mine used to say, there's no escalator to success, you have to take the stairs. Thank you.